A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, the third member of the Useless Trivia Triumphant is on Talk is Jericho. Of course, the Useless Trivia Triumphant, Jericho, Raven, and Conan. And while he may throw a few bigger words around during this podcast, he's not dropping too much useless trivia. Not today, but today it's all about wrestling with Conan. We're talking about our early days in Mexico together, circa 1993, 1994. You hear some more stories with the infamous Plaza Madrid gang, what the AAA promotion was like back then, what the CMML uh, promotion was like back then. We'll get into WCW, the NWO, WWE, talk a little Lucha Underground. Conan is working with them right now. Conan's also talking in-ring psychology, how he got his start in the business, who came up with his gimmick, and what he learned from Bobby the Brain Heenan. And you've heard a lot about Love Machine, Art Bar. Conan is the one who discovered him and brought him to Mexico. You hear about Art. You hear all about Conan. So many great stories to tell. But before we get started, I want to tell you how you can win a copy of the DDP Workout Program signed by the man, Diamond Dallas Page himself. Just tweet me your own DDP Yoga Success Story to at Talk is Jericho. Use the hashtag podcast one and one lucky winner will get that autographed copy of DDP Yoga. You all know how much I believe in DDP Yoga, how much I love it. I do DDP Yoga myself. I know how much it's helped me. It's the only reason why I'm still performing at the top of my game in the WWE when I do and why I'm able to rock with Fozzie on the Cinderblock Party Tour harder than ever. DDP Yoga is a great program for anyone. can help any age, any fitness level. Uh, no matter what you got going on, DDP Yoga can help you. All you got to do is give it a try. All right, That's what Eric Thacker did. He had nothing to lose and everything to gain after tipping the scales at 448 pounds that is so unhealthy not good eric was on the brink of bad health uh worse possibly death i mean you start getting that big you, you know you, it's a heart attack city right his doctor warned him if eric didn't do something about his weight and start taking care of himself he would suffer dire consequences so eric started ddp yoga he started doing it one month into the program he lost 30 pounds 
Okay, I want you to think about any weight loss program you've heard about, any workout program you've heard about, where you're going to lose one pound a month. Eric did that with DDP Yoga. And then in the second month, at the end of the two months, he was down 55 pounds. That's right. Not only was Eric losing weight, he'd accomplished something he'd never done before. He did his first push-up ever. May not seem like a lot to all of you, but for Eric, who was 400-odd pounds, 450, whatever it was, his first push-up was a huge, huge, huge uh, testament to how good he'd been doing, how much he had done. A huge uh, milestone was what I was looking for. And now, in one year, Eric lost 185 pounds. That's right. 185 pounds in one year, 12 months, 52 weeks. 365 days. Cliche, cliche, cliche. Eric lost the weight in that time. Not only did he change his life, he reclaimed it. All right? He reclaimed his life. Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga have since helped tens of thousands of people, including me. And if he's helped you, then let me know. Tweet your DDP Yoga story to uh, at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter and use the hashtag podcast one and you can win a copy of the ddp yoga program autographed by the man diamond dallas page himself that's right just tweet me your ddp yoga story at talk is jericho and use the hashtag podcast one and you can win the autographed ddp yoga program winner will be chosen at random and you still have time to experience your own DDP yoga story because if you haven't done it yet and you're on the fence, you hear, I've heard a lot about this DDP yoga. Now you got to try it, man. Get off that butt and go out there and make it happen because DDP yoga is making it easy. No excuses. All of you sexy beasts, talk as Jericho listeners will get a great deal on DDP yoga if you go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of it. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. No more excuses. Make it happen. If you're in bad shape if you want to uh, lose some weight if you want to get in better shape you want to tone up ddp yoga is the way to go i'm telling you from experience go check it out today talk is jericho baby talk is jericho talk is jericho mama talk is me okay so i haven't seen you in like i don't know how long it's been five years six years the moment I see you come in the door, you're on the phone, you got your entourage, you got people calling, you got people texting you. You're uh, always on the move, Conan. You always have been. You got yeah. lots of stuff going Just on. Just like you, always on the move. I see you everywhere. I see you on Tough Enough. I see you in WWE. I see you with your podcast, which I'm pretty sure you stole from my podcast. I'm not sure if they stole it, uh, is perchance. Well, okay. okay. This is the semantics. I did do yours yeah. for like two hours that one. I said yes. I only got about 30 minutes. Yeah, you were driving from a city to another city yeah. in the car. And uh, you were like, all right, I got two hours of kill. Let me, <laughs> let me get this motherfucker off my back. Can we curse? <laughs> sure, or whatever. All right. And uh, I would like to just say real quick that this is a very smooth way to get me into your hotel, and it worked. It did work. And, and you, you even wait a minute. Too. Wait, wait, wait. Even the worst part is he goes, would you like to sit by me, which is super gay. <laughs> then he goes, would you just like to sit in front of me, or would you like to go to the bed? <laughs> yeah, sit <laughs> yeah, that's the bed. Cool. Yeah. I like the bed. Well, just, yeah, could could we do just get right to the I've known yeah. you far too long to worry <laughs> exactly. about that sort of stuff, man. Right. So, yeah, man, like, you come in here. We talked to Mysterio for a few seconds. Yeah. You were like, uh, uh, you have gone from being in front of the camera to being a big part behind the scenes in 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 triple a now yeah and that's kind of you always were like that even when you were working you always had a lot of ideas and that sort of thing yeah no it's funny and that's i think what drew us together because we were very creative so we were always you know dreaming and talking about stuff and i remember even when uh we'd be walking down those uh, halls of um 
Plaza Madrid, mm-hmm. and which was a hotel that all the boys stayed in in Mexico. Please throw some of the luminaries that were there while you were there. Well, um, and you can feel free to add some in. Haku, yeah, uh, Love Machine, our right. bar. We got to talk about him. Right. Uh, Eddie, talk right. about Eddie, of course. Magic, right. Norma Smiley, right. Miguel Perez, right. Uh, Headhunters for a while. The big black twins, right. Big, uh, like various fat members guys. of the Guerrero family. Various members, of the, yeah. Uh, Mondo was right. there for a bit. Uh, black Cat yes. was there for a little while. Let people know who that is. Uh, he was a. Uh, thank you. See, you're a, yes. a veteran podcaster. Black Cat was a guy who his name is Victor. He was from Mexico, but he had moved to Japan at an early age, and basically had trained most of the New Japan wrestlers and was also very close with Benoit and Eddie and all the guys that went to New Japan. Black Cat was kind of like the liaison between the Japanese and the Gaijings. But we had this great hotel filled with all of these miscreants and rogues and then van wrestlers and wrestlers <laughs> but you would come down and visit yeah. uh vampiro once in a while would come down he and was visit. also there for a while but i think he was there before you got there yeah and then he went and got his own apartment yeah. same with magic too yeah so that was the place to go was right. the plaza madrid right you know because from there you went to the strip club or to the bar or you brought bitches over <laughs> yeah. or a little bit of three lost bulldog was the yeah name of the bulldogs yeah. yeah yeah but that was you the don't place. have to put loss in front of everything <laughs> It's just called Bulldogs. I thought it was called Los no, Bulldogs. No, 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 no. Okay. okay. So uh, anyway, he's... That's awesome. It never quits, right? Yeah. This is the best thing, and this is what I love when you see your old friends. It never... It's like you haven't missed a day. Just yeah. right to the ball busting right, right away. We haven't talked really in a long time. We don't really keep in yeah. contact. Uh, just, you know, time that's time. how we are, right? Yeah. But when we do see each other, it's like right back in the saddle. Fuck <laughs> it. it. Never ends, right. you know. <laughs> but I remember walking down those halls, the same halls that Art Bar accused you of eating a piece of pizza off of somebody's plate. Is what? that urban legend or not? I brought that up back then, so it isn't something you're hearing for the first time. Remember, Art Bar always used to bust your balls because he says that one time you're walking down the hall and somebody had left some, like, uh, pizza... Like uh, you know, like service when, on a yeah, tray. Room service, right? And you just went and took a bite out of it's it. It's quite possible, and I'm That's sure awesome. there was probably a lot of uh, booze and drugs. Probably <laughs> That's awesome. Too, so. Yes, yes, I'm guilty of this. Yes. Um, so you know, we were getting back to your question. I ain't afraid to derail for a minute, but we were always be talking. I remember back then, you always used to tell me that. You had been in a rock band and that you wanted to play rock and all that. So it's cool that you're living out your dream. Uh, remember back then when Bam told us he was in a rock band and he was also kicked out of the hockey league yeah. for his hair being too long? Yeah, a bouncer for Millie Vanilli bouncer was for another Billy one. And security guard and saw one, one jump to his death off the balcony. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, awesome. he had a lot of stories, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, his, his, he actually started a band for a couple minutes in Mexico City. Yeah. I think it was called The Theater of the Vampire. And I'm not sure if they actually played songs, oh, but he did actually have a band. I would never think that something with him in it would have his name in it, too. It was, yeah, it was yeah, weird, yeah, right? Yeah, weird. yeah. But, let, but, let, 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 but anyway, so I get be. So anyways, I've always thought we were very creative also. And that's right. one of the things I think that, you know, we were always kicking it and having fun. Because mm. I remember Kevin Sullivan, and I was telling you this before. Kevin Sullivan once told me, he goes, I think you and Chris Jericho will in the future be like writing or producing TV. You know, and I'm already behind the scenes, and you're doing shit with TV, That's too. It's interesting that he said that. I never yeah. really had much of a relationship with Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, he must have just picked that up. Were you pretty close with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the guy that brought me into WCW. Got it. So okay. when I first came in, I was like in Dungeon of Doom, and then mm. I was like, which was his little group. Yeah. So I was like, let me get all the guys that aren't really doing anything, and let me stick them in this group. So I was one of them. But uh, he helped me out a lot. 
And so, yeah, so now I've transitioned behind the scenes. And uh, I always kind of knew there wasn't anything that really startled me that much because when AAA first started, the Mexican promotion, uh, probably 23 years ago, like the first four years, everything, which I think were our best years, everything that that uh, we produced or we wrote was just me and Antonio Pena. Mm. You know, and it's kind of funny because I was talking one time to Vince Russo. And I was asking him, would you work with Jeff Jarrett again? And he goes, no, because I can't work in wrestling again. And, and I know exactly what he means because I go through the same thing right now. He goes, because now your ideas go through too many filters. So when he was working, right. it was just him, Ed, and Vince McMahon. That was it. Mm-hmm. When I was working, it was just me and Pena. That was it. Hmm. You know, now I have to work with three other people. And just one person doesn't like something, that's already a battle. And if two doesn't like it, that's a double. Three, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot better to get your vision if there's only two people to, to co-write with. Lennon right. and McCartney. Right, It right. wasn't Lennon McCartney and Johnson right. and Smith and Jones and McGee or whatever, right? Right, right. Or same thing with a director, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. Scorsese. So when you first started working with Pena, because you mentioned how AAA became so huge very quickly, too. Yeah. Was it... Um, it was a pretty big deal when you guys split off. It was like a like a big, like almost like you could never blackballed almost in a lot yeah, of ways. For the right? people, again, we, we were in this company called the uh, CMLL, Arena Mexico, mm-hmm. as it's more famously known as. And we just, like a whole bunch of us, we just left. And we didn't even tell the office we were leaving. We just left. Why did you leave? Well, the main two reasons was Pena was doing a lot of work, Antonio Pena, uh, for Paco Alonso, he was doing like uh, he had gotten him movies. He had gotten us on TV. He had really he had come up with all the, well, all the new like he really gave Vampiro's first push. You know, um, he helped me, and he came out with like the minis. You've seen yeah, that they're like yeah. little, they're little wrestlers, little people yeah, like like we have them now, like Torito with the right. Matadors, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. And so he discovered that, which was ingenious because what he did is like if there was a guy that looked like you. And he was a wrestler. He'd call him Little Chris Jericho or some mm-hmm. shit like that. And it was hilarious, you know. And then so they had Octagon Octagoncito, which is the diminutive, right. diminutive term for that. So that was very, you know, never been seen. So that seen. was Pena's That was uh, Pena's invention. brainchild, right. Wow. And came up with such uh, people as Octagon and Volador and Misterioso and Mascar Sagrada. And for Lucha fans, you know who they are, La Parca. You know, he came up with all those he gimmicks. He was making the gimmicks and yeah, drawing was, the costumes. Did, yeah, right. So he was wow. doing all that. You know, he was doing a lot of things. He really was. He was uh, tremendously ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, they had, I had won the, the, they had made this thing called the CMLL title because in Mexico back then, if you weren't Mexican, you couldn't hold the Mexican heavyweight, the, the Mexican national title. Oh, because the commission was really stiff. Right. Like, they would actually weigh you as well. Do right. still? Right. No, not like anymore. You, no. you would have to be weighed yeah. for the middle, yeah. you know, the middleweight title. You had to be a certain amount yeah. of weight, and if you weren't, you couldn't right. wrestle for it. Right. So they, they, they really tried to give him as much realism as they could. So to them, the Mexican national championship why would a foreigner have that if it's a national championship? So they stuck to that. Mm-hmm. So they actually came up with the CMLL title because at that time, me and Vampiro were so hot. They wanted to have, you know, so we had yeah. something. And so the first tournament they ever had, I won. And um, so I was the first champion. And uh, Pena had like his crew. And when you were there, I don't know if you remember Juan Herrera. Yeah, he was one of the bookers. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, Juan Herrera had his crew. There were mostly wrestlers from Guadalajara, 
Fuerza Guerrera, Bestia Salvaje, Atlantis, Rayo de Jalisco, those cats. But Peña's crew was like, we were like really getting over with the crowd and there was a lot of jealousy. So you remember how every Monday you had to go to the second floor and check the list to see yeah. what towns you had? Yeah, the second floor of the office. Right. They have a little list on the wall, like on a clipboard almost. Right, and you right, flip right, through exactly. it and see. Was, how was it? It would be like, was it say, would it say Conan and have your towns beside no, it? No, 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 no. It would say the city and then who was in that city. Who was city. on it, right. Right, yeah, yeah. and who you were wrestling. And then what time the bus left and all that shit. Always be a lineup of all these right. <laughs> idiots waiting to get right. hey, let me see, let me right. see. Come on, let me right. check it out. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so you would go up there, and what they would do is they would wait till I would go. And then when I would leave, they would, they would add shit to it. They're like, Conan's missing all these shows. That's how they were getting me back. So they told Paco that I was missing all these shows, and I was getting a big head. But, bro, everybody knew I had a big head, so, you know. <laughs> and so then we, uh, um, uh, they had a meeting in Monterey, and they had, like, Paco... Your uh, mentor and discoverer, uh, Carlos Elizondo, was there. Monterrey, right? Yeah, Monterrey. That's right. So Carlos Elizondo was there. His right-hand man, I forgot his name, who always wore the glasses, was really cool. I can see him in my head right yeah. now, but I can't remember what his name yeah. was. And uh, so they had, like, all the power brokers there. They're like, yeah, I've been getting a lot of complaints about Conan. I want to know who's against him, you know, continuing to hold on to the title. Were you missing shows? No, they were adding them when I left. Are gotcha. you not listening? Yeah, I nice. was listening. That's pretty I'm good. Just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Can we just start from the start? <laughs> no. Okay, so they're adding it after you left. Right. I get it. So right? I would go look at the list, <laughs> right? And my name, and then when I would leave, they would add my I name. Get it. Yeah, I yeah. understand. So right. like, this is missing shows. Like, I went and they weren't there. Right. And so, uh, so that was part of the war between Peña and Juan Herrera. There's like a little microcosm if you will they're not a bad word for a latino by the way it's a damn good word yeah but you're kind of half latino though no no i'm full latino i mean my dad's puerto rican my mom's cuban that makes me full that i was raised by a white man who's also puerto rican that's another thing yeah you're like you're like one of those guys like mvp i'm not sure what your real name is i don't know what to call you just m I yeah. call you K, K, whatever. Yeah. But so, so you're, it's almost like an old NWA, uh, like in the 70s, where they're right. having a vote on whether or not you should keep the title because right. of these quote-unquote shows that you were missing. Right. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, they did put the title on me for a reason because I was drawing at that time. So I was like the biggest draw that they had. So every promoter was like, no, don't take it away from him. And even though every single person said no, he said, well, I'm still taking it away from him. And Peña got, like, really hot, and he was like, okay, this is the end. You know, I can see right now that this is going to be a losing battle. So he comes up to me before the show, and he goes, this is what happened. You know, I'm leaving. I have a guy in Televisa that's going to back me up. He goes, uh, I'm only asking you and Octagon to come with me, and whoever else wants to come, that's good. He said, just know one thing, if you leave, you will never, ever go back to Arena, Mexico, which was true, because later on, I'll tell you a story, when I tried to get work, like, 12 years later, what happened? But, um, and so we just started recruiting people, and we left. And it, you, you had that much belief in Pena that you, because Arena, Mexico is an institution. Right. It's a family-owned business where those arenas are owned by Paco and Paco's family. So if you're leaving, you're not getting back in. Well, the thing is, he also threw this little caveat Nice word for a Latino. Not a bad word for a Latino. That's good. And uh, he, uh, he, um, 
He said, you know, you're going to help me write. You're going to help me recruit. You're going to help me develop talent. That was like, I didn't even know it. That was kind of like my forte, you know, because I was always trying to recruit people to Reno, Mexico. And you this know, was a long time ago. Yeah, very early I brought in Magic in and I mm-hmm. brought, you know, uh, Love Machine in and I recruited Negro Casas and I was always trying to make wherever I was at better. Hmm. So once we went to AAA, I was just talking to the, you know, that, that's where I found Ray Mysterio, Psychosis, and all those guys. So I found all these young guys, and then I convinced a whole bunch of veterans, and, you know, and then I was riding with him. So that was awesome because it was filling my creative juices. Yeah. Was there some, uh, you mentioned Televisa, were they throwing a lot of money into the AAA pot? Because yeah. to draw these guys, you must have Yeah, because it was one of the top guys at Televisa called Alejandro Burillo who at, at one time owned the San Diego Soccers, and he was like this playboy Mexican guy that didn't look like the typical Mexican that you would think he looked like kind of like a white boy, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he was just well-educated, but cool playboy, uh, and he was the guy that was helping us out. Because this is basically right when I started going to Mexico in about 92. This might have happened a little bit earlier, but not too much earlier. Right. And I will say this. You, you kind of alluded to it, but I can really back you up on this. Probably one of the few times in your life that I'll actually put you over to your face. <laughs> you uh, and Vampiro were huge, huge stars in Mexico in that late 92, early 93. Like Austin Rock level stars. Maybe even bigger. I don't know. But it was a big, big deal when you left because now they, they we had Vampiro. But AAA had Conan, and that was legit. It was you were a big, big star. Yeah, well, you know, it just I just think uh, the one thing, bro. That's what I hated about the United States when I got there because immediately I could see. I'm not saying that I needed to be the top guy anywhere, but give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And you suffered the same thing in WCW. Oh, totally. You know, we were that one group that was never, never given a chance, and it's a shame, bro, because you had to go to WWE to become a star and that's why i always give vince so much credit because he saw in you in eddie in benoit in ray yeah they didn't want to see in wcw you just named four world champions that were never even close to world champion level in wcw and probably never would have been and bro as presumptuous as this sounds but that's part of my my genetic makeup I know if I would have gone to WWE, I would have gotten over because my gimmick was like, you know what I'm saying? And you had proven that. I said that about Daniel Bryan or a lot of guys when they first came into the WWE. doesn't matter how long they're suppressed. They're going to get over because they know how. Daniel Bryan has been getting over for years, 10 years. doesn't matter if it's in a high school gym or in the Tokyo Dome. Over is over. And you did that as well in a lot of different ways. Because when you came to WWE, you totally reinvented your whole, you know, Conan was a musclehead gimmick. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I got into the game, bro, and immediately I went straight to the top. You know, Vampiro went straight to the top when he got to Mexico, and our professional animosity turned personal, and it was just, uh, you know, we're just two biggest stars of our promotions, and we didn't like each other. And in a way, that was good because it kind of bred competition. I was never going to let him outdo Mm-hmm. me and vice versa so it's actually pretty good at the end uh but yeah man those mexico years were great and i remember i was always trying to get you to jump to triple a and you <laughs> yeah, wouldn't no. what why were you so loyal over there just because they gave you your first break uh maybe a little of that and i was happy there okay. and i had a great crew guys to work with negro casas yeah. you know silver king tejano bestia salvaje even uh, like sangre chicana as miserable of a bastard as he was i still enjoyed dandy. working with him dandy was tremendous tremendous but uh lost cowboys how, how much of a how 
how much I know, bro, because I'm, I don't know if I said this in my podcast when you were on, but if I did, it's re worth repeating. One thing that I had so much respect for you, I remember when uh, Eric Bischoff was going to have you do a match with Juventud Guerrero for his mask, but you understood what that meant in Mexico and how disrespectful it was to be taken the way they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. and I don't even want to get into how they do the word Mysterio. I, do, you do you remember, first of all, do you remember the match? How he lost his match. Uh, Mysterio or Hoovy? Mysterio. I don't remember how Listen he lost his mask. Ready? Mysterio and Conan versus Nash and Hall for Mysterio's mask. Okay, first of all, how does that make sense? <laughs> okay, why, why are me and Hall in it? <laughs> right. Okay. Right. If Mysterio loses, he loses his mask, right? Right. If Nash loses, he should lose his hair, right? Yeah. What, what do you think happened? Take a wild guess. Uh, he would uh, have to wear long tights from short tights. I don't know. What do you have to do? Elizabeth would lose her hair. <laughs> really, dude? Their manager. Really? Yeah. Come on, uh, man. You know, I mean, can you dilute that anymore? And not to mention, you also know there's no way she's getting her Right, energy. exactly. So you also know the finish of the match. Exactly. You know, because that, yeah, that was Bischoff's thing at the time was he wanted all the Mexicans to lose the masks because you can't show emotion or emote or sell or whatever it may be in the two because at the time and i say this all the time i say it to oscar Hoovy was just as good as mysterio was in that 98 right. period and they were both super over right and took both of their masks off right which was part of the allure of why they were over and you want to hear what my idea was eric bischoff that he shot down right my idea was eric why don't you put Ray against Hoovy? Way better match around the same age. Both second generation wrestlers. Both of them were rookie of the year in Mexico. Both of them are considered the best high flyers. That's going to be a way more compelling match. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't do it, bro. He just so wanted... we always had heat. Always. With Eric. Always. How was that when you came into WCW? Because he started... He, he, he was cool. Yeah. At the beginning, he was cool. As a matter of fact, he had actually asked me about you when i first got there and we had not too long before that done that peace festival right. which we actually had a good match yeah you mean i know i'm not Bam, Bam, known Bam, for the no, no no that was a good match yeah you and me had a couple good matches yeah yeah well with you bro yeah. it's like it's pretty embarrassing if you can't have a good match with you <laughs> and uh but um he uh you know he had asked me about you and i go bro guys money mm. you know what i'm saying but um when i first got in he was uh, very cool, very laid back. You know, he really wanted to get WWE's, WWE's ass, yeah. kick their ass, at least, at least be in the same conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't think he thought he could kick his ass, but he was very ambitious. And he was um, very easy to talk to. But like anything else, bro, you know, when you've got Piper, who just passed away, yeah. and Ultimate Warrior, another brother, passed away, and Nash, and Hall, and Flair, and Sting, and fucking Hogan. Bret Hart, and Hogan, and... Broadman, who knows who else they fucking, you know, I think they <laughs> talked to Tyson before we went to, with all that shit. And then he was kind of like a mark for them too. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved hanging around with them. And yeah, let's go. Like, I hated, bro. And I do mean hated going to that motorcycle shit. What was Sturgis. that called? Sturgis. Road yeah. Wild or Hog Wild. Yeah. yeah. Probably the, one of the coolest things is I, you probably met him there too because you're such a rockophile or rockhead or what do you guys call yourselves? Uh, Just say like music lovers. So I sound like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> rockophile. That's a good one. <laughs> so uh, anyways, I met ZZ Top there and they knew oh, who yeah. I was. Mm -hmm. and I was like, Big wrestling fans. Yeah, I was like, yeah. really? You know who I am? <laughs> I always thought it was hilarious 
how racial they got when Booker T and Stevie Ray went out there. Mm. Oh, that was brutal. Oh, the the the, the motorcycle guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're brutal. dealing with hardcore. Right. Yeah. You know, I remember I, I wrote a uh, wore a kimono out and said that I enjoyed riding my Honda around the town, and oh, I got you booed got, out yeah. of the out of the parking yeah. lot. Like they wanted to kill me. So th- the thing sucked because it was. Far away from the hotel. You yeah. couldn't go on your own because everybody's used to getting there in your car. So you had to get on a bus like you were in school. <laughs> then you went there in the trailers out in the mud. Yeah, you're Fuck in the it. middle of a parking lot. Right, bro. It was brutal. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, it was almost to me, it was like they didn't even sell tickets. Yeah, they so just you were making away. no money mm-hmm. just so this guy could can ride around with his Harley friends from wherever they were riding from the Sturgis. Yeah, they would go from, you're talking about Bischoff and his friends right. would go from like Minneapolis. They'd right. fly their bikes to Minneapolis right. and then ride them to, I think it's Rapid City, South Dakota, or whatever the hell right. it is, Sturgis. Yeah. And I must have complained about that because <laughs> I guarantee I was on every single one they had. <laughs> I hated that place. Not nope. the people. People were cool. Yeah, just yeah, that yeah. place. Just the, the concept of it. You know, you it know. was hard, oh, right? Yeah. Remember? And, and the thing is, too, you know, at the time, we were drawing big, big, big numbers. So yeah. you're, you're throwing away a five hundred to $750,000 house just to be able to do this right. in the parking lot at Surge, just, just so you could ride your motorcycles there. So from a business standpoint, even, it was, it was just ludicrous. stupid. Yeah, right. just stupid. Right. Not to mention that, like, all the boys hated it. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Was Dust there anybody bowl. besides the motorcycle crew that you remember going for going to Sturgis? No, because like you said, it was so hard to even get in and out of there. Yeah, and then the, you're you're wrestling in front of of a non-responsive crowd, right? Whose only reactions they would give you is just by revving their engines, right? Right, 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 right. 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 Exactly. So I mean, that's They're super kind of inebriated. And, um, but you yeah. had kind of you worked your way up the ladder fairly well. It's funny because I had Raven on the show a, a couple a month ago, whatever it was. Okay, please. I would Our like favorite to say one thing. <laughs> We would. We need to have a show with Raven. That's what I mean. You, me, and Raven have to get a show together. What was the name that you had? The, for the uh, useless trivia triumvirate, tri- okay. triumvirate, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Let me say something okay. that I thought was hilarious and is so Chris Jericho. Let me set this up. So Raven comes up with this ludicrous word, right? And Jericho didn't believe it, so he went and he looked for it in a dictionary and came back like two or three days later and called them out on it. And you were right. Let me let me w- tell you why. Why? Okay. I don't like this show. I don't even like it now. But I watched it just so I'd have something to talk with you about, which might be less than five minutes. But I watched Tough Enough. Okay. And some guy used the word scar- sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Right. Yeah. And you go first of all. Do you know what it means? And the guy said it. And you go. Can you spell it? Which he couldn't. And I thought to myself, you don't want to bring up any big words around Jericho because he will call you out a la Raven. Am I right or not? You're totally right. And yeah. even better, you can tell this was the mid-90s because I had to go look in a dictionary. Right. Now you just get your phone out and just Google right. it, right? right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why I took two or three days. <laughs> yeah. First I had to find you a dictionary. Si- right. Now you would have sizzled them on spot. But we had a, we had a, good, uh, a good little group of, uh, of guys that would hang out and just yeah. sit around. Because, like I said, you and Raven, what my point was, is that you guys did – fairly good and of course we had our glass ceilings but you guys were a little bit higher than that like you best example you got into the nwo right and my favorite thing is where did you always stand at every nwo interview yeah me yeah right behind whoever had the mic <laughs> right behind hogan or bischoff yeah. you would always be in the shot there'd be 12 guys in the damn ring and then you go to the close-up and you'd always see conan standing right be on them. so now that i was with them <laughs> In the back, I was like, I'm going to get my FaceTime one way or another, whether you want to give it to me or not. But uh, let, let me just say something about Raven, which I thought was hilarious, too. So we're on the Donnie and Marie show, right? Mm. 
and uh, you and Raven. Yes, me and Raven. What is yeah, right? Right. right. Just two me. random guys, right? <laughs> and uh, so they go, "Yeah, Raven, I hear that you have an IQ of 145." And he goes, "That's ah, 155." And then he goes, "I hear that you read books, you know, every week." You know, he goes, "Yeah, I read eight to ten books, cover to cover." You know, he had fed them these questions, so they would ask him, and he still. <laughs> And he still gave him a low IQ so he could say a higher one. How over is Raven? And he forgot to mention that the eight to ten books were comic books. But that's another thing. The graphic novels. Yeah. (laughs) And the other one, the other Raven story. i got to give you one more. Well, I'll give you two more. And the other Raven story is one time in Louisiana. Mm. And, you know, Raven wasn't afraid to go after the trollist of the. Yeah. Yeah. And so this elevator opens up, and it's like 3 in the morning. You know he's trying to sneak this girl out without anybody seeing her. (laughs) And the door opened, and he looked at me like, bro, I'd rather see anybody at this moment, including the devil, than this motherfucker, because I know he's going to (laughs) tell. This girl was so ugly. Hello, Kitty said goodbye. I mean, she was Baruto. You've been waiting and for a I month told, to use that joke. And I told, and I knocked on Kevin Nash's door. And I go, bro, you've got to see this. You've got to see. Because he was outside. Um, I don't know if he was looking for his car or they were mm. waiting for a taxi. He was outside sitting, standing, you know, in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, bro, he was. <laughs> he was he, bad. He was rolled mercilessly for a couple of months. We were talking about the time he tried to pick up, actually, an 80 year old lady tried to pick up him wearing Jordache jeans and she had a motorcycle. And he didn't sleep with her, but he, he regrets it to this day. Oh, that's tremendous. She would have, yeah. Okay. I don't understand, and I know you've seen this, because if I have, you have. I don't know how many times I walked with him into a club, and he didn't need his flock to beat Raven. Yeah. He was like with me in disco. <laughs> and he's on the dance floor dancing and coming close to any girl that's like inebriated or alone i'm thinking wow there's cameras there's security there's other people here how does he get away with this just tremendous it was the 90s things were different then all right there are some seriously talented luchadors in aew and not all of them speak english which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes that's why i signed up for rosetta stone i'm learning spanish amigos amigas See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. 
How did you, how, how did you like uh, being in the NWO? Did you get anything out of that, or was it just kind of NWO? Wheels? I got nothing because you know I was on that on the first one, the black and white. I was on like that NWO C team. Who like was in that? Virgil. <laughs> Horace Boulder. Right. So I was real good at ring sachets, <laughs> you know, and shit, you know, like I could really move to the rear and I was real good at run-ins. Um, but then what really happened is Hogan and Nash got into a fight as a shoot and Eric. So at that time he was hanging out, uh, he was hanging around a lot with Luger, Nash was. So he said, why don't we just start the red and black and it'll be me, Hall, Luger. So when they had that team, then they brought me in and then they brought uh, Sting in. I know. Right, right, right. Right. And Macho, how wild was that? Huh? What a wild group, you know? <laughs> random, too. Yeah. And I was like the lowest guy on the totem pole, but I got a, a super rub because that's like when all my catchphrases were getting over and they were giving me the mic. And you had some great ones, too. Yeah. Ole, ole, let me speak on this. What else did you have? Bowdy, Bowdy. Bowdy, Bowdy, Bowdy. What's that? <laughs> Where did you get that one from? From Master P. He was uh-huh. a rapper that was yeah. like, I'm bowdy bowdy and rowdy rowdy, yeah. <laughs> and so I would always, and, uh, but to me, the funniest thing is like when we would go, especially to like the South or the Midwest, where it was mostly Anglo audience, and all that, and they would always repeat what I would say. I'm like, when they're into you, bro, they're into you. Like, yeah. It's like when I, look at, when I look at WWE right now, it's so funny to me because let me tell do you watch the show most weeks or every week? Uh, most weeks. Okay. And so, uh, the most over things on the show are what's up, yeah, feed me more, mm-hmm. finish it, the RKO, Bray Wyatt's entrance, have I said a wrestler yet? And Brock Lesnar and Polly. This is like the like the only thing that's over on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, people like to be involved. Yeah, and that's one more thing. than ever, right? Yeah. yeah, but you know, whenever it was, and that's why you talk about your your character. Ole, ole, you know, let me speak on this. People knew what to say, and they yeah, liked being involved. Or even with you, when you would say, "A game." Yeah, yeah, yeah never, Bro, ever. I yeah. loved. Who came up with this? I super popped, and I remember where I was when I said I was in West Virginia when uh, you debuted on Raw, mm-hmm. and they had the ding, 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 the countdown. Yeah, yeah, who came up with that? That was my idea. That was countdown. awesome. Yeah. Where did the music come from? Because the music was The music awesome. was not. That was probably production. You know, that Kevin was awesome. Dunn, that maybe. music was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect for that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in a post office. I was went to deliver some mail uh, late 1999, and they had a countdown to the new millennium. <laughs> That's awesome. 15 weeks, yeah. seven days, eight hours, whatever. And I was like, that'd be perfect. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then Vince had the idea to have the countdown end in the middle of Rock's promo. Plus, your name was Y2J. That, Y2J. Well, that was, yeah. That was going to be the name of my finish. Oh. But then Vince goes, no, 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 that's not the name you're finished. That's you. You're Y2J. That was cool. You know? So that worked, you know. But you had a, a short stint in WWE yeah. uh, in the was it late 80s, early 90s? Uh, yeah, 89, 90, I would say. And that was with as, as Max Moon, yeah, correct? Yeah, Max Moon. That was just an idea I had seen when I wrestled in Japan. It was this robot that I had seen on TV that shot like fire and smoke and all this. So I told Vince when I met him, uh, and just to show you, bro, when I met him, uh, Percy Pringle, uh, the what's his? Uh, yeah, Percy Pringle was uh, Paul Bearer. Undertaker, right? Yeah, Undertaker's guy. Yeah. We both got the job the same day, and uh, he was so happy because it was around like in December. And uh, I went and I saw um, Vince, and bro, he didn't even ask me anything about the Latino demographic. Which, were, if Conan were to come in now, you know, younger, he'd oh, be yeah. all over me on that. Nothing was spoken about the Latino demographic at all. And uh, so we just talked about the robot, you know, and he liked it. 
And then he was like, all right, well, send me the designs and we'll see what we can do. And I was like, I want to get as wild as I can with it. So basically, it was going to shoot confetti. It was going to shoot smoke. And I also wanted to shoot fire. And then Vince came up with the idea, which I thought was tremendous, of putting a jetpack on me. But he said he couldn't do it indoors and fly me from the stage to the ring. Mm. And he would bring me into all the TV taping. He would have me walk like a robot and all this. He took a lot of time. I mean, bro, that got a lot of jealousy from a lot of guys. And I later found out, at least he had the balls to tell me, Scott Hall and, and Shawn Michaels, gee, yeah. uh, they, had, they had been burying me because I got there one day. I had Because basically what happened was is I had to fly from Mexico to L.A., pick up the boxes because that's where it was being constructed and all that. And then wherever I went, like, uh, I think that time we were in Cape Cod. So I would fly into Boston, have to get a taxi, usually two, to put all these boxes and bring it all the way over there, you know. And so I got out of the car, you know, Arnold Skoland. Mm -hmm. So Arnold Skoland was there, and I was like, yo, who's going to pay for this? And they're like, ah, can you believe this guy's talking like that to Arnie? He's a sergeant, all this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And they were just burying me, and which didn't really matter because um, uh, I had already, uh, uh, like, about, Three months after that, I just didn't show up to tapings anymore because I started to do the soap opera and I was blowing up so hard. I was in like, Mexico, yeah, I was like, WWE, right? You know, that wasn't like because the thing is, Chris, I didn't grow up wanting to be a wrestler, even watching that much wrestling. I mean, my whole wrestling thing was like when I was maybe six years old till I was nine hmm. or ten. I used to watch Florida Championship Wrestling. Little, you're a Miami guy, right? I'm a Miami yeah. guy, so little did I know now how great that wrestling was because mm. i grew up with dusty Rhodes. like yeah. that was everybody yeah yeah dusty when he had all that charisma and i remember i actually went one day to the miami beach convention center and i saw dusty against superstar billy graham nice anyway so i had dusty the briscoes against the funks and kevin sullivan was there mike graham was there and there was a lot of good wrestling yeah. and gordon soley who's an incredible announcer if you've never heard him blow this guy's on another level and so I grew up watching that, and then that was on Channel 6 in Miami. And then on Channel 23, that was a Spanish station. It was actually like on the, remember back then when they had the top yeah. knob and the bottom knob, and the yeah. bottom knob was all the UH, yeah, UHF, UHF lower, that's where the Spanish one was. It was Channel 23 on the bottom knob. Like That was like the low-class shit. So Channel 23 was showing uh, wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium in L.A., hmm. And I was like, well, holy shit, this is in Spanish, and it's different, and it's cool, and it's Latino, it's, it's Mexicans. I'm not sure what that is, but they're speaking Spanish, hmm. you know? And so I was watching that, and that was really cool, too. You know, that was like Gorman and Goliath and Mil Moskers and Freddie Blassie, and, you know, mm -hmm. so I was getting that taste of both. Looking back, that was great wrestling, and then I just fell out of it. You know, I just fucking... Yeah, you grew up right. and got into something else. Then uh, I remember my uncle uh, in Florida... He was like a, a bouncer. He, had, he held all these records of like for deadlift and, and powerlifting. So this big, but like fat guy, like kind of like, um, remember that Russian Alexiev? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weightlifter like yeah, that. Big, but you know, he had his gut. And he had wrestled in Florida with a hood. He never told me his name, so I'm assuming he was a jobber. And so he wrestled in a hood and he was always saying, yeah, Ox Baker broke my leg and you know, I got to see him and ask him if that really actually happened or he was just working me. But, yeah. And I would always ask him, is wrestling real? And he goes, yeah, it's real. You know, Ox Baker just broke my leg. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. And so um, he's actually on a show on TV called um, It's Brutal Too, but somehow they're still on the air. 
It's on True TV. It's Your like uncle? A, yeah. It's like a towing company. Oh, yeah. South yeah. Beach Tow. Right. That's my uncle and that's my cousins. Oh, all those okay. people. That's my stepfather's side. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, anyways, he was a badass, bro. Believe me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get him in trouble on the podcast, but yeah. he was a badass. And so, um, he was... Uh, one day I went to his house and he was watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. I hadn't seen wrestling in a long time. So by this time, I'm 17. And I was like, holy shit, there's Dusty again. You know, and there's Flair. Who, and there's this guy and there's that guy. And I kind of got into it a little bit, fell out of it again. And then I started watching it around maybe 87 for some reason. I'm not sure why, probably because WWE was really popular back yeah, then. Yeah, super hot, yeah. Yeah. I just started to watch, and they had a lot of great people on, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically uh, going to the. I still have my ticket. I went to the um, this thing in San Diego where the where do they have the shows in San Diego? Sports Arena. Sports Arena, yeah. And it was at the Sports Arena, and uh, Paul Orndorff was on there. I actually have pictures with them. <laughs> Neil Moskers, Bob Backlund, and then. Um, and that might have been maybe a, a, two years before that, but the one show I do remember going that I was like, holy shit, this is just awesome, was uh, was um, the Strike Force, Tito Santana and maybe... Rick Martel. They were awesome. Yeah, bro. great team, yeah. I was always a big fan of Rick Martel. Mm -hmm. Remember when he used to tell, team with Tony Gurria? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was even in WCW for a short time. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. I saw there. him. Yeah. I, was, I yeah. was marking out. Yeah. I was a big fan of his. He yeah. was always in good mm -hmm. shape, too. And uh, great wrestler, big, right? He was a big star in Winnipeg, too, where I grew yeah, up. He was yeah. AWA champion. Yeah, great wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. great wrestler, absolutely. great look, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they were wrestling, uh, what was the Tongan trio called? Haku and Tonga Kid? The Islanders. Yeah. yeah. Bro, yeah. what a f <laughs> match. And just and then Macho came out. Like, I was a big... So you like, still remember this? Yes, I yeah. remember this. And so... What I remember also, because I really didn't follow that much wrestling and go to that much wrestling matches, but uh, what's always been funny to me is how much, and maybe because I was older when Hogan was big, mm -hmm. but how much American kids and even Canadian guys look up to Hogan. Because when I saw Hogan, I thought he was super JoJo. <laughs> I thought, to me, the man here is Macho Man. Right, I thought that right, was right, the coolest right, motherfucker right, right. I'd ever seen. And I thought it was <laughs> hilarious because I remember this one scene where like Elizabeth was afraid to go down like a aquatic slide like in a water park and he pushed her <laughs> i thought that was awesome <laughs> that was the early days of saturday night's main event when they would do those when skits like that. would come to the swimming pool and kick all the kids <laughs> yeah. out do you remember that yeah how he, awesome was that he would dribble the ball if you could dribble the ball yeah, 10 yeah. times they could, you know who did that once van damme really van damme was a kid who they like just happened to get pulled out of the audience as like a you know 12 year old kid and dribbled the ball eight times and then dibiase kicked it and he had to leave that's awesome <laughs> But how great was that, right? It's great stuff. That's yeah. great heat. Yeah. yeah. And so I was watching around then because it was entertaining. Mm -hmm. It was good, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and so I don't even know why well, we how, are here. How did you end up in Mexico? Oh, how I ended up in Mexico. You'll love this one. So this guy invites me to a wrestling match in Mexico City. And he's putting over how great Mexican wrestling is. And he opens up his – now, this guy's got like a limp. So he opens up his trunk, and he shows me uh, a, a championship belt. And I'd never seen one, so I marked out. I was like, holy shit, you're the world champion? And I must have been maybe 22 at this time. Had you wrestled at all? Never. Okay. And wasn't thinking about it either. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 
And like, yeah, I'm the world champion. I go, why do you have a limp? He goes, oh, because uh, in the dressing room, I got into a fight and they broke my leg. And I'm recuperating. But when I get back, I'm going to kick some ass. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So then we went to the, so he took me to a show. He goes, hey, you want to go to a wrestling? Wrestling, that's bullshit. Yeah. And he was like, nah, well, you like boxing. He knew it was a boxer. Was, you like boxing? You like Salvador Sanchez, Julio Cesar Chavez? Yeah, come watch a wrestler just as good. All right, boom. We went down there. And the first day I went, uh, one of the first person that I remember seeing was Kato Kung Lee. Remember mm -hmm. him? Yeah. Uh, Negro Casas, which we've talked about. Uh, and I was just mesmerized, bro. I now, was let me just think of it. Kato Kung Lee. Now, oh, is it Kung Fu that looked like a real rummy? Yeah. Like he yeah, really yeah, yeah, looked yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but Kato, Kato was, was more a of like. Guy, yeah. yeah, he Kato. was. But he was more like in shape and very yeah, limber. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. gotcha. Yeah, he was Kato one that Kung walked the ropes. Yes. Yeah, he could walk the top. You road. know who was awesome when he first went to Mexico, and I know you saw him. Do you remember early Asai? Oh yeah, how incredibly! Oh, I remember he came. I don't know if you remember. He came with two other guys. I don't know if you remember. I don't that. remember. Okay, that. well then they had already left. He came with two other guys, bro. They were fucking incredible. I saw them too, hmm. and uh, so first of all, I go in there. The place is super rabid, unlike American crowds. Very rabid. They're really into it. A lot more blood. Uh, a lot of hot bitches. Uh, is this in Mexico? This is in Tijuana. Okay, gotcha. It's right here, we're in San Diego, yeah, yeah, folks, gotcha. uh, where I reside. And so Tijuana is like 10, 15 minutes away. Mm -hmm. So I went in there and I was just fucking mesmerized. And at that time, I was a big bodybuilder. Yeah. So we walk into the dressing room and this guy, his name is John Roberts. He tells the promoter, he goes, hey, yeah, I'm, you know, that big guy over there, he's wrestled before and he'd like to wrestle. <laughs> because he had asked me during the match, would you be interested in doing something like that? I go, looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so he tells the promoter, oh, yeah, where have you wrestled? And I'm like, fuck. And he goes, he's wrestled in Florida. And he goes, who have you wrestled? And I'm like, well, I started in band. In Florida names, Bugsy McGraw, <laughs> yeah. Eddie Graham, you know. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he goes, I worked Eddie Graham. <laughs> right. <'cause> he goes... <laughs> I didn't want to make the guy look bad, you know? Right. So, uh, so he goes, uh, he said, um, he says, all right, so you're booked next week. I was like, what? So I'm telling this guy, bro, what am I going to do? He goes, just go in there, knock him out. I go, what do you mean, just go in there, knock him out? He goes, yeah, just knock him out. I go, how come I've never seen anybody else do that? Because that's what's going to make you different. So many wrestlers have been in the wrestling business this long, and they've never thought of that. I'm the first guy, <laughs> you know. Right. And so, but let me tell you the re what gave me uh, why I was scared. I was afraid that they would throw me to the ropes, and I would go through them and fall outside. Oh. So I kept telling him, "Teach me how to hit the ropes," or however I said it back then. Yeah. Teach me how to hit the ropes, because I'm not gonna go through. He goes, "How are you gonna go through them if you're gonna knock the guy out?" But what if he attacks me first? Like I was really afraid yeah, of being know. embarrassed. Yeah. So the day comes. I don't remember that week what happened, but I get there and I'm in the first match and they have me as the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's your name? Yeah, and I got this guy's gear, <laughs> which is like some fucking black trunks and black boots, yeah. which I hardly fit in. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I, the Incredible Hulk, I should have been painted green or something green, don't you think? He goes, that, bro, make a name for yourself. Like, he was really pumping me up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, unless you teach me how to hit the ropes, I'm not going in, okay? So finally, we go to, uh, to train, and Ray Mysterio Sr., who you know is there, yeah. and he was a world champion at that time. So he's putting oil on his shit, and he goes, so you're the guy that wrestled in Florida? Like, he could tell I was lying. Yeah, of course. Right. Just like we could tell right. if someone was making right. it up today. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I'm busted. I yeah. go, no, I've never wrestled there. He goes, and why are you telling people you have? 
And I go, because my manager, he goes, wait a minute. You've never had a match and you have a manager? And I was like, yeah. It's show business, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so he goes, who's your manager? And I go, the world champion, John Roberts. He's sitting right over there. And he goes, that's a fan. <laughs> Can you believe a fan tricked me into becoming a wrestler? You didn't know that, did you? I never did. I've never heard that story before. You never told me that. Yeah. Yeah. 22 yeah. years of knowing yeah. you. I never knew that before. So did Ray Sr. then say, look, well, you're here now. Come on. Or, or? Right. Right. Okay. And then he just commenced to beating my ass for like two weeks. I had right. concussions. He fractured my fucking wrist. I mean, and I actually went with two other guys. I had just gotten out of the service. So I went with two other guys. They're like, this shit, you know. <laughs> they left. Yeah. But I just, I liked it. You know, I just, I liked it. And what was it, do you think, that you had, uh, I mean, that, that made you such a big star in such a short time? Like, connection with the audience, but what was it that made you different to stand out? Body? I think it was a combination of the body, because back then nobody was that size. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's definitely, you know, as presumptuous as this might sound now, but believe me, this is now me later, you know, charisma. Yeah, well, no, you no, know? you can say it. Yeah, uh, and um, and I was wearing a lot of cool outfits that nobody had ever right. worn. If you remember, I invested a lot of money in my outfits. So while back then it was wearing like white and gray and black and shit like that, I was breaking out the Miami colors, pastels. Mm-hmm. You see me dress, mm-hmm. so I had <laughs> even, a even the hair that you had, yeah, the, 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 had the long the, the braids. long braids with colors in them. Yeah, nobody had that, bro. So it was a different look, just a different vibe, a new guy on the scene. Just somebody, and and you know, one thing, bro. Always, 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 always. One thing that I always thought, and I think this helped me a lot, is especially with fans. I always felt that a fan, if they like the kid tells the mom, "Hey, I want to go to a wrestling," you know, if you behave good or you get good grades or whatever the case may be, I'm gonna bring you. The kid's behaving good all week, telling his friends, and then he gets there, whether it's a cab, subway, walking taxi, in his car, he waits the whole show, and then you just dip. Bro, I hate that. And I've seen so many fans get really pissed off. I know me. When I was in Miami, I used to work at the Orange Bowl. And uh, afterwards, I would wait for the players and get their autographs and shit. And there were players that I loved. And once they dissed me, I hated them. Hmm. And so I always thought that. I said, you know, if I ever become big, I'm not going to have a kid hate me because I didn't sign his autographs. So even to this day, it doesn't matter how many people are there unless I really have to be somewhere really quick and say I'm sorry I normally don't do this mm-hmm. I gotta go but I will take my time to sign because bro it's just admiration mm-hmm. and sometimes we overlook that you know you know it's uh, Ronnie James Dio told me this one time he said because uh, he would always do the same thing Dio singer of Black Sabbath and very since passed away but he would sign for everybody outside Ronnie why do you why do you do that and he's like you always uh, he said don't don't deny somebody their moment he said, give them their moment. He said, you'll never remember it, but they'll never forget it. And Don't they'll tell everybody. That's right. Good or bad, yes. they'll tell everybody. Word how many around. times have you met somebody, right, mm-hmm. that met somebody you like and you ask him, how was he? Was he cool or was he a dick? That's true, yeah. And when they tell you he's a dick, you're like, fuck. Yeah, I didn't want to hear that. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the guys that you mentioned that you brought in uh, and a guy that I don't think it's. Hey, I would like to say that. How many minutes are we into this podcast? I don't even know. 
Uh, we are 48 minutes we're in. We're 40 minutes into this. For people that listen to my podcast, I am on Iranian tobacco. I do have cotton mouth. This man has not offered me I've a drink. Got a, you've got a whole thing of water right there. I've been pouring it in a glass. Oh, so, so you I can drink have from it. a bottle and you drink from a cup. Well, is well, that, because, is that, is well once me? you start drinking it, that's yours. No, that's you. No, no, that's your, you. You oh, can have it. Mine? That's for you. Right. That's why I had it there. Did I shame you to giving me the rest of your water? Let me give you. Okay, fill, top it up, and then you got a whole thing of water there. I'm a very good podcast host. I brought that just for you. I brought that I for you. I do not believe that. It's no. a whole big one liter bottle of Evian, and it's right there. It's been there the whole show on the table, and you tried to, to, to call me out, and I definitely swerved you back. There. All right. Okay. So let's talk a little. And it's funny to talk like this because, you know, we've, we have known each other for such a long time, and there's only. A few people that really know the the genius slash lunacy of Art Bar, right. and you know I don't think a lot of people really get a chance to talk about him because there's not a lot of people that remember him. I don't think at this point in time, most of them have passed away. But you said you found Love Machine, Art Bar, Love Machine. Where did you find him? And and he's another guy that got huge in Mexico. Well. Uh, I was in WCW and I had been invited to the Pat O'Connor Memorial Cup, which was like a tournament of tag teams. That's right, yeah. And I went there representing Mexico and out of like allegiance to Ray Mysterio Sr. who gave me my first break, I brought him in with me. Mm. And then we wrestled that night. Which was like Michael Hayes or something? or Who? Did you wrestle Michael Hayes or Freebirds or something? No, or? but I can't tell you Michael Hayes story in a minute when I first got there. <laughs> so the... Uh, um, so we got there and we wrestled Norman Smiley and Chris oh, Adams, okay. who was representing uh, Team England. England. Yeah. Adams, God bless his soul, he was a super pain in the ass to work with because he was like the only one known under the three. Oh. He let us know it the whole fu- in the dressing room. <laughs> right. He was like, really, dude? And then uh, we fought the Steiners, who went on to the finals to fight the Russians. They had like two shoot Russian Olympic champions. Remember that they were wrestling with uh, yeah. Onita back then? Uh, Onita, uh, uh, Inoki. Y- yeah. Remember he had brought in like shoot? or something like that, yeah. He had brought in shoot, like mm-hmm. Soviet. They were wearing like geese, I think. Yeah, medalists yeah. from the, so yeah. Uh, finding Scott Steiner was a chore in itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then once he got in there, you know, he didn't want to do nothing. So my first impression of American was like a bunch of divas, you know. Yeah. And uh, but I met Norman Smiley, who was a super cool guy, nice guy, and I told him, "I'm gonna get you over to Mexico." Oh, everybody always promised me shit, and they don't. I go, mm. "I will get you there." When uh, they put me on the uh, on the ro- on the road, and I was wrestling uh, for a while, Bobby Eaton, mm. who was very gracious. And check this out: when I first got there, they put me on the road with him, so he would teach me, and. He was jobbing to me, like, on the house shows, on the road. Never complained, never showed any signs of... So fast forward 15 years later, and we're in his hometown. I don't know where it is, Alabama or something. We're in his hometown, and Arn Anderson comes up to me, and he goes, Yo, this is Bob Eaton's hometown. He goes, Would you put him over? And I said, Sure. Mm-hmm. And I did. Yeah. That was awesome for me. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Repay the favor. Yeah, because by that time, he really wasn't anybody in the business anymore. But it was like, mm-hmm. bro, you did it for me. Yeah. And, you know, that's some of the nicest things you can do right in the business. Oh, absolutely. Especially for a guy like Bobby because he legitimately yeah. is, a, is a good guy. Yeah. He always had a, a, a bag, and inside that bag would be supplies. If you need a toothbrush, Bobby's got an extra one. You need a pair of socks, he's got an extra one. You need gum, yeah. candy. You know. And a nice guy. Yeah. But my point was... At any time, you can pay back somebody to help you. Early yeah, of on course. In your career, it's always 
That's right. I did the same thing for for Magic. He helped me in Monterey. My first championship match was against Black Magic, who was the CMLL heavyweight champion. I was a nobody. I was just working for Elizondo. He put he put he didn't. I lost the match, but two out of three falls, and it was like the best match I'd have, and it put me on the map. Right. Fast forward 15 years later, training center needs a trainer. Magic needs a job. I talked to a few people. Norman's been working for WWE for awesome. eight years now, I think. Yeah. That's great. You know, you can't forget that. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't cool have to do dude. that, you yeah. know, like you said. Right. So. He's a cool, yeah. Right. And so... Um, uh, You're at the tag team tournament. You at the tag team tournament, in. right, and I saw Magic, and then I was on the roll with Bobby Eaton, and then... Art Bar was doing a gimmick, a gimmick called Little Juicer, which Roddy Piper gave to him from the movie Beetlejuice. So he would actually go around the ring with little kids following him. But at the same time, he had something in Oregon, where he's from, where he had sex with like an underage girl. Oh, right. But he was like maybe 18 and the chick was 15. It wasn't right. like he was 40 and she was yeah, yeah. five. But either way, the yeah, charge it was against the law. statutory rape something, or something like that. Right. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, how is it possible that you have a guy like, and he was super over with the crowd, and how, you know, and they were bombarding him. How can you have a rapist and all this bullshit? Yeah, as an idol for kids. Right. Right. And so they were like, he goes, man, I'm pretty sure they're going to fire me. He goes, you know what? I think I could bring you to Mexico. Are you willing to come down? He goes, yeah. So I brought Magic and I brought Love Machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Both of them became yeah, very big stars. very big stars. But... Because you can see, because like you say, you can see talent, Jericho. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember yeah. when I first came to TNA, I went to the very first show. It was like in Alabama. There was nobody there either. And there were like a bunch of guys I'd never heard of in my life. And uh, I went for one show and they never called me back. And the months and the months passed. And I remember that people would go, oh, you're going back to TNA? What happened? I would always say, they'll call me back. They'll call me back. And then I saw Jeff in Europe and... Uh, we were with McManus. I don't think you ever heard of him. He was this guy that was doing like tours in Ireland. Yeah, Andrew McManus. Yeah, Andrew yeah. McManus. So I met him there and he goes, hey, you know, I, you, would you like to come back? I go, yeah, but he goes, you have any ideas? And then uh, I told him, yeah, I want to come back and doing this. Uh, you have the X Division. To me, that's a ripoff of Lucha Libre. I go, let me go off on that. Mm-hmm. And, bro, I went in there and I stayed there for like six years. Because yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, like you said, I knew deep down inside whether it's presumptuousness, uh, 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 assured, assured, assuredness, assuredness yeah. right? not a bad word, <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever it is, you know, you're just sure of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I go back there and I know I'm going to do, you know what I'm saying? So, right, you, you, you knew that you had the talent, right. much like so, you said. So, say, so when I saw Magic, when I saw Ray, when I saw Psychosis, when I saw Love Machine, when I saw any of these guys that I've helped, it was like, it's there, it just needs to be harvested it needs to be polished it needs to be helped it needs to be pushed but it's there at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're here talking to Conan, and I want to ask you, how much did you help Love Machine, uh, Art Bar? Because when he came in first as a babyface, he was doing all right, but then when he turned heel, he went through the roof. Right. He was great. Well, because he was kind of a heel in real life. Yeah. Yeah, So I was like, Art. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you need to think about changing. I go, and he loved it, you know, and he did, you know. And uh, 
So, you know, and he was the great thing about Art. Too bad people didn't get to see him because Art was good on the mic, great on the mic, very charismatic, could wrestle, could do lucha. There is nothing he could do except maybe speak good Spanish. But other than that, he just had it all. For a guy that would have been able to transfer into, you know, WCW or WWE, he had it all. Right. And him and, and him and I think you came in after. But did you come in after Eddie and Dean? Uh, in ECW? Right after, yeah. Right after, right. But I was in Mexico with Eddie and Art, though. Right, but right. He, he, he knew about... Uh, that, that's, how gotcha. I, bro, yeah. that's how on point Polly was, bro. So this is like maybe 1995 or something like that. And we're in Singapore at some indie show, right? John Orezzi, I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew him. Yeah. He had put it together. And so he was telling me, yo, I'm going to have this new show. I'm going to have Maddie the... DJ, some guy that was hot in New York at that time, uh, he's going to be DJing. I was like, wow, that's cool. And I'm going to have uh, Hugh Morris as the man with no name come up the, the top rope and do a 360, uh, uh, moonsault, and then leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to have Public Enemy. He goes, I got a question, man. How's this Eddie Guerrero and Love Machine and Ray Mysterio and Psychosis? And, you know, he knew everybody in Mexico, you, everybody. I'm like, bro, pff, hmm, these guys are awesome you know and then he was like okay who would you send first and i go well i think ray and psychosis and uh who do i put him with and i go each other i go just let me tell you something with all due respect to the rest of your roster they're going to steal the show because mm-hmm. that's what i want mm-hmm. you know and you know polly's not good at calling back at least not me <laughs> not anybody and that yeah. mother called me back like he was still <laughs> in the arena <laughs> hey when can i come have him back yeah, again yeah, yeah. you know that, that was that was Oscar's thing. I remember the same thing happened in Japan the first time he showed up, working with Psychosis as a special attraction at the second J Cup. And I remember me and Ben while watching the match, and I'd never seen Ray. And and to give him his credit, Psychosis as well. I see them in magazines, and you look at the. They remember in Japan they'd have picture by picture yeah, uh, of the move. Yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes not being able to figure out exactly what he's doing because we'd never seen anything like that before. Right. And watching him live was like, like, like Jackie Chan, like a real-life superhero. But so small, especially at the time that when he first came in, the Japanese boss was mad at Asai for bringing him in. He's too small. It's an embarrassment. After the show, same thing. When can I get him back? Because Ray was really small, especially then. He, he wasn't even super muscled either. Yeah, he was, yeah, right. Did you have to take a chance on him? I mean, how did you convince people to, to give him a shot? No, the thing with Ray was when I first saw him, my immediate thought was, the first thing I thought was like, wow, what a sympathetic baby face. He's the smallest guy on the card. Can you imagine if I put him against a giant, how much sympathy he would get? So that was really how I, and it was funny because I would go to uh, bars in Hollywood, you know, when I was still in the indie scene. And, you know, you had to be like 18 to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would bring Ray in with a mask, like how old did this guy? And I go, you know, he's a midget. You know, sh- yeah. he's very sensitive too. Don't 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 bring it up. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can't have anybody in here that's underage. And bro, after and I go, just watch his match. And bro, they would go like the same guys that they want to bring him in and ask him for his autograph, not knowing who he was. So he was so incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and psychosis too. So when I brought him to Mexico and I told Tonio about him, he wanted to put him with the minis, the little, the little guys, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. small people. Is that the word? No, the little people. Yeah, yeah. little people. And uh, but when they saw Ray and what he could do, they were all, all of them. They were kind of like veterans in the game already, and I could already tell by what they were telling me they were going to beat his ass. And I was like, bro, if you put him with the minis, they're just going to beat him up. 
I go, just put him with the normal guys and you'll see. And so uh, he went in there. You know, his punches looked really, really bad. And Pena was like, tell uh, uh, Ray that if he doesn't learn how to punch, I can't use him. I can't put him in any feuds. You know, so I had to teach him how to hit a wall and punch. And I go, if it hurts, <laughs> if it hurts, then you're doing it wrong. You know, and he learned how to punch. And then he just blew up. And you've up. always kind of had, you've had a great relationship even up to this day. Like I said, you walked in talking to him. But it seems like everywhere you went, you always took him with you. Right. Right? Right. Kind the only was- place, yeah, it was WWE because when I went to AAA, I brought him. When I went to ECW, I recommended him. I recommended him in WCW. I recommended Puerto Rico. But when he went to WWE, you know, I had so much heat from being such a pain in the ass. Mm. And I remember you one time actually called me because I had called Bruce the stooge Pritchard. jackass Pritchard and I had said uh, yo this is Conan who? hey mother when I was Max Moon and you were brother love we were talking we were chopping it up it ain't like you don't know who the I am mm-hmm. he goes who? and I go Conan you know he goes send me a tape wow and then you called me back do you remember what you told me? no and you go bro Bruce Pritchard thinks it's very presumptuous of you to call him and say you're Conan Okay, so should I say I'm Carlos Espada or Charles Ashinoff? Because I know he don't know those mother. That's what a dickhead. Yeah, I never really understood that because there was there was you, Mysterio as well. They didn't want Mysterio in the WWE either, and Vampiro, I don't think they wanted. But Vampiro didn't have anybody supporting. But you and Ray did. But Ray finally squeaked in. But they but they never gave you a shot. Yeah, and I remember I asked Eddie once because Eddie wanted to bring me in. Yeah, and he was like. Uh, he said, let me ask Hunter. And then Hunter went. He must have talked to Vince. And then he came back to Eddie. And he goes, uh, Vince goes, you, uh, Eddie told me, he goes, you have heat with Vince? And well, I might have heat over the Max Moon thing because I just didn't show up to TV. But it's a long time ago. And then I saw Stephanie, you know, and then I just, she was like, yeah, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. and then I, I just told her, I go, and uh, I go, I think I have heat with your dad. She goes, over what? And I go over the Max Moon thing. She goes, that's a long time ago. And I go, that's what I thought. But mm. Every time I went there, Pritchard always treated me like that. Like, yeah. You mentioned Eddie, and that, that's another guy that I would assume you probably helped out because he was also kind of a nondescript. Well, he was, he was nondescript. He was a babyface. Everyone liked Eddie Guerrero. Once again, though, when he turned heel in Mexico with Art Bar and became Los Gringos Locos, shot him through the roof. Did you have any influence in him turning heel? Well, the thing is, is that when I met Art... He was like one of my best friends, and Eddie was one of my best friends. And I was like, man, these two guys are going to get along, but they hated each other at the beginning. <laughs> and then after that, you know they were inseparable. Please yeah. tell me that story of when you first met Eddie and you told him your name. Yeah, That's I awesome. first met Eddie through Hector. Yeah. Hector was probably a very sweet guy. And Eddie at the time, when Eddie drank, Eddie the Giant, right. we all know, and he was an asshole. Right. I had never met Eddie before, just heard about him, read about him in magazines, whatever. Uh, Hector takes me to this room. Eddie's in there in his underwear, totally drunk. And uh, and Hector's like, hey, this is, uh, this is my friend. He's here. He goes, what's your name? I said, um, <laughs> I said. I think you said your wrestling name. Yeah. Well, because he said, he goes, he, he goes, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He's here wrestling. He goes, yeah. what's your name? So I assumed he's asking my wrestling. I said, Corazon de Leon. It's Lionheart. He goes, first of all, I speak Spanish. Idiot. I know what line, of course on that. Second of all, I didn't ask for your wrestling name. I asked for your real name, you Mark. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, all I heard was how great this guy is, and he's the biggest dick I've ever met. And about three seconds later, he was passed out on the bed. 
I like finish, how in me... your book you also buried me saying I was a dick. You said that when you first met me, me and Art Bar brushed you off. What, well, what, what, okay, what well, let me, first of all, yeah. let me finish the story with Eddie. Yeah. Next morning, I see, I'm eating breakfast in the, 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 the Los Plaza Madrid. <laughs> you mean Plaza Madrid? The Plaza Madrid. Yeah. And Eddie comes up to me and goes, I want to say I'm sorry. I said, for what? He said, he goes, I'm not sure. He said, all I know is I remember that I met you last night. I'm probably assuming that I wasn't very nice to you, so I'm sorry for whatever I did. And I was like, That was down. nice, Eddie. And that's how we became friends. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, Eddie. You, uh, I was with, you remember Mike Lazansky? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so Mike was the guy who brought I me. I would love for you to one day have the balls, the post on your Twitter thing, page, post, whatever it is, what you looked like when you came into Mexico with Mike Lazansky. I look good, man. I was looking rocking. <laughs> Oh that was like a God. rocket, man. Bro, you look like a bathhouse honey. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I got a great picture of you and me at a at a Christmas party in Mexico City in about 93. I look some... like I'm in poison and you look like you're freaking Mambo number five. You got this big, big Cuban giant like flat hat. You got yeah. the Johnny Depp pirate headband on with the braids in the back, these big hoop earrings. I don't know which one of us looks worse. <laughs> It was the 90s. It was still it was a little, awesome. It's it still was. awesome because you kind of dressed up. You dressed up back then. Yeah. You know, today everybody's casual. You're casual. I'm casual. Yeah. Back then everybody just dressed up. That's how it when was. When you left the house, it was the Gene Simmons thing. I right. still adhere to this to a certain right. extent. When you leave the house, you look like a star. Right. Especially for me, like I was wrestling. So I am, you know, yeah. I, I'm a rock star. Yeah, I'm a wrestler. bigger than life. Dies, that's right. So you that's, have to look bigger than life. That's what you have to do. And if, you know, and at the time, you dressed back a then bit flamboyantly. Yeah. Like, like like now, like, you know, like a CM Punk or that uh, Kevin yeah. Owens, that mm-hmm. they just look an, like an everyday man. Mm-hmm. Everybody can relate to them. That's what it is right now. Back then, they would not have gotten over at all. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. And even if you look at rock bands, it's the same thing. You know, yeah. back at that time, if you were in a rock and roll band, and even like I saw the Stones a month ago, they look like rock stars. When they walk on stage, it might be a green, uh, you know, LeMay silk suit or something, but still, it's something that you wouldn't see a guy in the crowd wearing. Right. I still believe in that a lot. But, uh, yeah, so Mike and I were there. We went to uh, Cuatro Mil, Mil Pass, which was the restaurant in Monterey that Carlos Elizondo owned. And you guys had a show in Monterey, and you went to the restaurant because you take care of the boys. And you kind of, like, it was you and Art. And I remember Art, giant wad of chewing tobacco, right. which he always had. What's up, brother? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you guys didn't brush us off, but you were just kind of like, oh, there's a couple indie guys over there, like, whatever. You know, so it wasn't like... It was kind of like just brushed us off. Yeah, you did. No, no, but we became friends real fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and I don't, I don't blame you because it's not like at the time I didn't really know much about wrestling etiquette. And plus, what am I going to say? Hey, Conan and Art Bar, I knew you guys were. I'm here wrestling for you know. I probably could have, but at the time I just was kind of nervous. You yeah, know, I didn't know anybody. Now tell me, and uh, for your listeners, because I probably don't know this story. Please tell him the infamous Easter Bunny story. Great story. But I want, do you remember this though? Yes. Okay, well, I want to hear your take I'm, on I'm it. I'm in it. Okay, I'll <laughs> tell, I'll tell the story. I said it. I know, but I want to make sure that you don't, that you remember this. So, yeah. me and Eddie were in the hotel in, uh, in Plaza Los Madrid. Plaza Madrid. Uh, Los, Los yeah. Plaza Madrid. And you were there. Uh, you'd come to visit or to pick him up or just to hang around. You would come hang out once in a while. And this at this point in time, you'll admit this, bro. Super big ego. head, like yeah. big ego. So, okay, here's Conan. What is, what the f- does he want well he wants to come hang out he's always welcome to hang out but you know let's see what stupid shit he says today so uh you guys had just gone to the mall in like laredo or something 
And El Paso. El Paso, okay. Yeah. And it was uh, there was a shopping mall. And it was and it was Easter, so around Easter time. It was actually Easter Sunday. I remember the mall, Cielo Vista Mall, for all you guys in Chuco Town. Boom! <laughs> Shout out Cielo Vista Mall. <laughs> and the, the Easter Bunny was there, and uh, you had a crowd of people around you asking for your autograph because you're Conan. You had ten people, and the Easter Bunny had two, and you're like, I'm more over than the Easter Bunny on his day. Boom! <laughs> Boom! And, me and, awesome. and you were you were kind of standing against like the window, and me and Eddie were standing. I remember look, me and Eddie looking, pulling faces at you, like this guy, like Jack and all. Who's this guy? I think he is. Like, ah. How did you put up with me then? If I had such a big ego, I How think we kind of all did, did though. Did, but did, I know. But was there a part of me that was at least cool? Well, yeah, of course. When I was too busy talking about myself, or yeah, what was the deal? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're yeah. you're a good guy. Yeah. You know, you're fun to hang out with. Funny. You know, charismatic. But. Much like Vamp, although Vamp was way worse. You weren't you weren't half as bad as he was. Super popular and know it. You know you knew it. So it was kind of the necessary evil. You know, okay, he's a nice guy, but he's going to say something stupid because right. that's just how it's. Just being in the ring with you puts you at a different level. Boom. That sounds like something one. I would have said. Who are you saying? Level on this? <laughs> <laughs> can't work, and he's telling us, bro. One of the one. This is kind of a little bit sad for me, but one day, and I was, and I thought to myself, how much, how long has he had this inside? One day we were in WCW. This was towards the end, and Eddie was super drunk, and uh, he had me in the. We were in the bathroom, and he was like, "Man, I just never understood how was it possible that I could do everything in the ring, and all you had was muscles." He goes, "And you were always more over than me." I'm like, wow, how long has he had this inside? But to me, Eddie may be the best in-ring performer I've ever been in with, ever. You know, I, I say that, and we, we got, I want to go back to Eddie. We were talking about that, how much of an influence you had in him turning heel, if any. But uh, I think possibly one of the most total packages that ever graced the ring. As far as if he's a babyface, you love him. Like, love him. If he's a heel, you hate him. And that's one thing. It's hard to play both sides. Most guys are either good at, like, Flair, great heel, not so good of a bay face in the ring. Eddie was immaculately great at both, and personality, too. You know, here's the thing. Creativity. Because because you knew him back then. Eddie was brutal on the mic. Brutal in either language. He was incredible in WWE. I mean, incredible, bro. He had just taken it to that another level. flicked. I mean, whatever it was. Because like you said, with, with Los Gringos Locos, when, when Eddie and Art were together, yeah. Art was the talker, right. and Eddie was the walker. Right. Although Art could work too, but Eddie was just so right. far and above and beyond. That's why that team worked. But Eddie was not good as, yeah. a, as a character, no. you know, as a heel. He just really picked it up when he went to WWE. But yeah, man, to me, it's so cool that some of the best guys to me that were the best workers, not just of my era or any era, because you could compare Eddie and Benoit in any era. You know, and I put you in that conversation. I put Ray Mysterio in that conversation that we were all such good friends. You yeah, know yeah, saying? yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and even that's, cooler. And that's the thing. We did have a really good connection with, you know, because I think it's because we came through the business the same way. Also, we spent that time in the in Las Plaza Madrid. Right. You know, like we knew each other there when, when none of us, we were making some money, but we weren't rich. Right. I wasn't. Right. And, um, as big as, as you could be in Mexico, it still didn't mean anything. On a worldwide right. basis, no one knew who the f- we were. Right. Really. You know right. what I mean? Maybe in Japan, a couple people. Right. But that was about it. And I remember one time you asked me, I went to Germany for six weeks. 
And you're like, why are you going to Germany? Like, there's, you can, are you making money there? I'm like, well, not really. Like, why are you going? I'm just trying to spread my name. Right. You know, because that's what we were doing, just yeah, trying to build a career. You would have worked. Like, when you first went to yes. Japan, nobody knew you. Three years later, you're a name in Japan, you're a name in Germany, your name here, your name there. And sooner or later, I figured if I keep doing this, as you or all of us, They'll have to acknowledge us yeah. in, in WWE because that was the end game for me was WWE. Yeah. And WCW was great, but still, I wanted to go to WWE. You know, that was kind of the place to go. Now, one more story I need you to tell. The one about the uh, being stopped at the checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you just like hearing these stories of They're you just awesome. being a dick to me. So um, I never worked any match ever in Mexico except for, for Paco Alonso. Right. Always treated me well, paid me good money, good part, uh, push, whatever. Never had any desire. You asked me earlier why I didn't want to go to uh, AAA. Never had any reason to. So finally, we do that. Well, world. for my selfish reasons, I wanted you to be with me and Art and yeah, you know, just I wanted, to hang out, I right? Magic to be. Uh, I, but but you know, it's funny. After Art died, Mexico was never the same. No, you know, never. it wasn't because around the same time too, and I'll get to the story. But the same time that happened, the peso crashed. Right. Remember that? Yes. So it was before. I think it was like three. Three into like if we were, if we were making a thousand pesos a match, it'd be three hundred and thirty three dollars American. Next day, I show up and it's now divided by seven, like a hundred and fifty. Right. The economy just crashed, right? Or government or whatever it was. Right. And Art had died about two weeks before that, and that was basically the end of Mexico for me. It was right. sad, but um, so uh, we go and work the World Peace Festival, right. which once again I book I called and booked myself on that really because I wanted to try and get either into New Japan's view or WCW. Who was running that? I don't even remember who yeah. it was. I knew a guy named Mart- Martin Marin. He yeah, was a, Martin, yeah, Martin, Martin, yeah, Martin. Yeah, We actually sat by him at the PWG show. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he knew somebody, whatever, and I w- was able to weasel my way onto this show and w- had no idea who I was working. When I got there, I was working against you and Bam Bam, which was a huge match for me. Like, I did not fit in with you two guys. But talk about a great way to be seen because that was a good match. Yeah, it was. You know, I've never watched it since, but I remember it as yeah. being good. Yeah. So then you were like, okay, well, if you're coming down here, you should work a show for me and TJ in Tijuana. And I was like, um, all right, sure. I've never worked a AAA show, so uh, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm in the area. I can pick up whatever you paid me, 150 bucks or whatever <laughs> right. it was. And the deal was, uh, I said, well, I got this. Do you even f- remember who you wrestled or no? No. Do I, you? No. No. I just remember you, you had me rooming with La Parca. That must have Which been is awesome. scary. Yeah, Laparca, without his mask on, is a very yeah. unattractive human being. Yes. And he made me sleep on the couch, too. Right. So thank you for that as I'm well. I'm surprised his thank wife you. hasn't been sued for bestiality, but <laughs> go ahead. Hello Kitty said goodbye. Yeah. Boom. So uh, um, the deal was I said, dude, I got this flight out of, uh, out of L.A. back to Calgary because I used my points to get there. Had no money. And I said, i got to be back in L.A. by 7 o'clock. You're like, that's fine. Yeah, I'll fly you back to L.A. No problem. Cool. Thanks. Made the deal. It's a hotel. It's money. It's a guarantee. And it's a, a, a ticket back to L.A. Worked the match. And crickets. No one gave a shit. None of the crowd knew who I was or whatever it was. Like, I was expecting I would go there and people were like. <sighs> you do remember that? <sighs> yeah. Nothing. Okay. Like, yeah. I, like, you know, to me at least, yeah. it was like pretty dead. Do the match, go back, spend the night with La Parca, which is great. Wake up, uh, some guy's picking me up in the morning. He picks me up, and he takes me to the border. 
and the bus station. And I'm like, oh, what's, what's this? He's like, it's the, you're, out, you're getting out here. I said, well, i got to go to San Diego to the airport. He goes, no, 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 no. Um, this is where you're leaving from. I said, well, it's okay. Carlos brought me a, bought me a ticket. He goes, yeah, here's the ticket. And I look at the ticket, and it was a, a like I thought, okay, now it's not a plane ticket. It's a bus ticket. That sucks. Right. Like it's supposed to be a plane ticket. The guy's like, I don't know. Get out of my car and F off. So I'm standing at this station. All right. So I go to the station. Like, no, no, this is not the station. You go over there. And I go over there, and it's a white Suburban. And I get in the white Suburban with like, it's like a clown car, but with Mexican cowboys. Right. Like, you know, like the Mexican, you know, the, yeah. the guys wearing the Wranglers and the big hat. Yeah. And it was like the scene from Dumb and Dumber. Mock, see, yeah, see. And they're singing songs and they're playing music. And I'm sitting in the back with this bag on my leg because there's no room for any bags. And uh, we're driving to L.A. from San Diego with 12 Mexican dudes and me. And they're all speaking Spanish. And, like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, this is like, I'm like meanwhile, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm going to kill Conan because I see him. I'm going to kill him. So we're driving and then we pull over. Yeah. I'm like, why are we pulling over? It's a check stop. Check stop for what? We get out and the federales, immigrant cops, wanted to check everyone's passport in Spanish. Tu pasporte or whatever. Tu pasporte, whatever. Everyone's showing the passport and the guy comes to me. He goes, tu pasporte. I'm like, here you go. He goes, Canadian passport? I said, yeah. He goes, what are you doing in this thing? I said, I'm just trying to get back to LA. He goes, do you know how dangerous this is? Because this is terrible. He said, you need to get out of this now. I'm like, but I got to go to LA. I said, can you give me a ride? The cop's like, no, I can't give you a ride. Then we can, meanwhile, now I'm really killing you. Yeah. Like I'm thinking ways as torture. I'm going to strip your skin off. I'm going to pluck your eyebrows out. Then when we get to LA, uh, you know, the, the, the outskirts, we start stopping because every guy Needs to get out a different spot. I finally get to the airport at like 5.05 for my flight at 7 to go through customs and everything like that. And now I'm really wanting to kill you. And that was the other, uh, that was like the last time I ever worked in Mexico. <laughs> so that's, that was uh, Conan's revenge. Not Moctezuma's, but. Yeah, for what though? For I didn't what? do anything yeah. to you. Just to be a dick. <laughs> so, you know, you talked about, I mean, your career has been so varied with all the different things you've done. And now you, you're, you're involved in Lucha Underground as well. Right. How did you – I thought that was a really well-done show. I thought it was really different and cool and uh, kind of a different spin on the tried-and-true wrestling show. Yeah, I think Lucha Underground, this is something that for many years me and Pena had tried to get people to buy into a Lucha Libre promotion because when we were in WCW or even WWE or TNA – We've always been like the appetizer or the side dish. We've never been the main entree. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a whole show to be Lucha Libre from top to bottom. And so we would go around and talk to all these millionaires. And they were always like, just to show you how strong his name was, you mean Hulk Hogan? Do you have Hulk Hogan? Yeah. They're like, no, we don't have Hulk Hogan. This is Lucha Libre. <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and so they didn't understand it. you know. So uh, finally, we met up with the right people. And, uh, you know, Robert Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Famous uh, director. Right. Machete, Spy Kids, you know, a yeah, lot of movies Dawn. with Latin sensibility, but not just for Latinos. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Burnett, The Survivor, like, this guy's like the Spielberg of the, you know, reality shows. The yeah. Bible, The Voice. So, yeah, so you were in the room pitching to them. No, no. I okay. was in the room pitching to them. What happened was is uh, we'd been pitching to a lot of people for many years, me and Pena. Then uh, Dorian... His uh, nephew um, started to uh, 
he wanted to work with people. And then I don't know if you ever heard of this promotion called Lucha Libre USA. Mm-hmm. It was on the air for a little while. Uh, so we were working with that guy. He was like a, a promoter from Canada who did concerts. But he knew nothing about Lucha and thought that the same, you know, schematics or blueprint for a rock concert, you could do it for wrestling. I was like, no, bro, it's two different animals. Right. And on top of that, the worst part is he didn't want to listen. Hmm. And so uh, basically we had to wait till we got out of our contract with him. And then this guy called Antonio Cue, who used to own the, the Chivas, which is a soccer team, but the U.S. version, because uh, there's one in Guadalajara. Um, he had met Dorian, and he introduced him to this guy called John Fogelman. John Fogelman is, is at El Rey. And he used to work for the Philip Morris agency, like one of the youngest guys to run it. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot to do with Transformers, uh, Hasbro, Transformers hooking up. And, you know, he works with J.J. Abrams as his representative. Well I mean, he's a power broker. So he was like the incubator to bring Burnett, Rodriguez, AAA, everybody together, El Rey. Mm. So that was kind of like Yeah, because bro- AAA would have to be involved, too, because most of the talent right. is, is their guys. Right. So we got together and, uh, you know... Um, at first it was very, 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 very science fiction, way too much. And I was like, bro, I don't think this is going to work. Um, but again, it wasn't my call. You know, they, they would consult on me for a couple of things. Dory mostly would. But I think what happened, the pros and the cons of Lucha Underground is as edgy as I think I am, I'm still in a way enclosed by the parameters of my industry, of things that are considered acceptable or not acceptable by the people that are of higher pay grade above mm-hmm. me. And so we would have never been able to do this show with wrestling people because these people are thinking so outside of the box that it wouldn't allow us to have that same vision. Mm. So they brought that to the game, which we could never have because we're still, as much as we don't like the wrestling, wrestling bubble, yeah. right. And so, but there are other things that they don't understand. They don't understand work rate. They don't understand a lot of other things that wrestling insiders would know, but that's what they have agents for, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but um, uh, so, you know, they um, they basically wanted to be an all lucha show, and then have these. Uh, the have you seen the backstage uh, yeah, scenes? Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I like about that, it. Yeah, that look very cinematographic, yeah, and yeah. it just. Uh, and it make, gives it a movie or a miniseries feel. Mm. You know, they brought that to the game. And do you remember one time I tried to do a show that I actually brought you on? Yeah. In uh, that was going to be a Lucha Libre show. Yeah. yeah, in Waco, Texas. It was all going to be, and it was really cool. Remember That's that? right, yeah. yeah. And what happened was is, you know, I brought in, like, all the best workers from WCW. I brought in all the best workers from but Mexico. All the guys who weren't getting used. I right, remember right. I had Lenny Lane and yeah. Norman and yeah. Finley on my team. Well, all the yeah. best workers were us. Yeah, yeah. Who on top was a great worker? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so basically, I had all the great workers and with great attitude. And at the end of the day, and you saw how much money they spent on the set. It mm-hmm. looked like an old Western saloon. They had these badass bitches dancing. That, yeah. yeah. And production went to Eric. They go, Are you kidding me with this Spanish show? Mm-hmm. And they cut it. Oh, that's why it never, it never even aired. Yeah. They just didn't like the idea of it after a while. It was too much work. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, what's what's the business model for for Mexico now? As as we start to wind down, is, is is business strong in Mexico? Yeah, business is strong because with Ray coming in and Mysticis who didn't do good in WWS Sin Cara, but he was like the 
like after, huge star. Like after me and Vampiro, fifteen years passed. Wow, the next big. He was at that level. Yeah, he was that big, big mega star. Hmm. And uh, so, why and, do you think he didn't do good in WWE? I'm pretty positive a couple reasons. Number one, uh, he asked, and they acquiesced. Not a bad word. Jeez, you're just throwing them out yeah. here. Now spell it. Sarcophagus. C-Q-U-I-S-E-D. I'll take it. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. And I'm in Iran. Uh, so, um, so, so he acquiesced or he asked? He, he acquiesced? Yeah. He asked them to acquiesce? Yeah. What was the question again? Uh, <laughs> aren't you listening? I'm high. <laughs> We're Did talking. you hear the guy knock on the door? <laughs> Tell the people what happened. We almost got busted. Uh, Carlos went aside for a... For a, for a nip and uh, the, the security guard came and knocked on the door and said were you outside smoking marijuana and I said no a lady saw you outside she said she didn't see me outside I haven't been outside all day and that was you almost got me busted five minutes after you got here that's awesome go. so we're talking about Mr. C's and why he didn't do yeah, good yeah. in WWE so he went and he, he, he asked WWE and they acquiesced not to go to the performance training center or NXT or FCW whatever was going on back then so you know, like us, when we went to WCW, we need to be deprogrammed. Oh, yeah. You know? Because I was like, Lucha, high spot, high spot. You know, sure. Like you, yeah, me spot, too. Yeah. And so I need to be... He never got deprogrammed. Yeah. And then they put him in. I don't think Chavo was the right yeah. guy for him, you know? Yeah. And so they needed to put him in with people in his element. Or he needed to go to the... To the training center, center like ADR did. Yes. ADR went yes. there for a year and a half, got and, deprogrammed, and then he was awesome. And you know what else Alberto did? Yep. It's the most obvious thing. We did it there. He learned how to speak English. Yeah. I learned how to speak Spanish when I worked in Mexico. Right. Because if you don't, you're not going to be as good. Yeah. Because I don't care what you say. If you, if you don't, A, to me, it showed that he didn't care. Right. And B, how are you supposed to call a match with the guy? Right. You know what I mean? Bro, how are you supposed to order food or everything? This, this ain't Japan. I remember when I first went to Japan. I don't know if they still have this now. You know how you would go to the store and they'd have all the food like in a plastic yeah. uh, representation? A little example of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you point at it, yeah. That's what they like. Just point at this one. <laughs> so I think that might have been one of his issues. But uh, last question. You've had a lot of matches over the years. Would, if you had to pick one or two of them as your favorite matches that you ever had, could you do it? No. Not even one? No. No, 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 no. No, it's just very hard. I just know like you were one of my favorite guys to work with because I remember when uh, we did the uh, – and the reason they took it off you is because you were leaving the WWE. When you had TV the US title. title. Or US title, yeah. Yeah. So we were like in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Is that what And I remember was I was real, real hot at that time. I was like on a university or yeah. some shit. And the people were really hot. And um, you were leaving. And so uh, they were putting it on me and um, – I just wanted to make sure that we had a great match because it was your last match. And uh, I remember telling you after the match, because you were the heel, mm -hmm. and I was like, man, bro, you know, you're just a general in the ring, you know what to do, because you were calling a lot of shit I remember in the that, ring, yeah. and you really made it really easy for me. And that was a really good match, I remember. You know, I remember that. It wasn't quite the end, but what happened was that I, I uh, didn't sign this contract that Bischoff wanted me to sign. He said, if you don't sign it today, you're losing the TV title. And I was like, fine you're gonna lose it to conan great love working with conan see ya and i remember i told you remember you did the tequila sunrise was your submission i said i want you to put that on as a shoot because sometimes you put it on kind of lazy and i'm like i'll tap out to it but you better put it on where it looks good yeah and you did yeah i was ripped your leg <laughs> off but um well dude 
we got to go to work, but man, right. it's, it's good talking to you, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Do you hear that sound? What is it? That is a sound of ratings. <laughs> Conan's revenge. <laughs> for what? I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Conan has to come back so we can roll through some of the useless pop culture trivia and tell some more stories. I want to do it with Raven. The useless trivia triumphant gets together. Raven, Conan, Jericho in the same room together. That would be a podcast filled with hilarity and ridiculousness. I'm going to work on that for you guys. Uh, but if you want to listen to another great podcast and you want to hear more Conan, he's got his own podcast, MLW Radio, and you can check it out on MLWRadio.com. Uh, it's a great, great podcast. Conan, very well spoken, very smart about the business, and uh, a great sense of humor as well. As you can hear with this, thank you so much to Conan for being here. Once again, mlradio.com. Go check out his podcast. And the Cinderblock Party Tour, you want to check that out? We're rolling through England. We've got Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho with us. It's been so much fun, man. Just been a, a blast. And tonight we play Manchester, England at the Sound Control. Saturday is Chester, England. Sunday, Southampton. Then next week, the last few dates of the year and of the Cinderblock Party Tour, Birmingham, Cambridge, Newcastle, Nottingham, Sheffield, and Treco Bay, Wales. A uh, great rock festival there. Come check us out the last few dates of the Cinderblock Party Tour. And if you've ever wondered about Fozzy VIP, this is the best VIP uh, package we've ever done with the private pre-mini concert. Uh, the private mini concert that we play for the uh, VIPs. I uh, had Pascal from the Netherlands come on stage and sing Cold Gin with us the other day. You want to come on stage and sing with Fozzie? You want to ask us some questions? You want to see some tunes that we don't normally play in the set? That is what the VIP is all about. We finally nailed it. I'm really, really excited about it. Come check it out. Go to FozzyRock.com for all VIP information and all gig information. Don't forget, we are coming. We're rocking. I'm excited. Uh, don't miss out, England. We love you. One of our favorite, favorite countries in the world to uh, to play to. And one of my favorite things to do is, is, is a Talk is Jericho podcast. I've really, really been enjoying it over the last couple of years. Thanks to you guys who've been with us from the start, who might have just listened to one episode, maybe just starting today. If you're just starting listening to the show welcome to talk is jericho hope you dug it uh and if you download it for free you know you're downloading it for free because of our incredible sponsors like draftkings.com play for free when you use my promo code y2j ddp yoga don't forget you can win an autographed copy of ddp yoga by tweeting your very own ddp yoga experience and story to me at talk is jericho on the twitter and use that hashtag podcast one and the brand new sponsor tommy john Use my promo code Jericho to get 20% off your first order. Upgrade your underwear and T-shirts and socks now. You won't regret it. And, of course, thanks to Amazon, the longest-running sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support the show. i got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. I tell you, holidays are coming up. Got to buy some presents. Go do it on Amazon. No extra fees or hidden charges. You just do it through the Talk is Jericho links and help us all continue to rock this podcast. Talk is Jericho. Next week, still kind of putting some stuff together, but I'm telling you right now, it's the 200th episode. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big. It's going to be, well, exactly what you expect from Talk is Jericho for the last 199 episodes. Thank you, guys. It's going to be a big surprise. I'll let you know what it's going to be next week. So we'll see you soon. Stay hard. Stay cool. Stay hungry. And a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. 
That's podcastone.com.